into Poke the Bear episode 94. Connor, episode 94. Guess who was number 94? Nobody. It's again. Nobody. There's no more players. We're opening like this for the next six episodes after this. Uh, I'm Evan Marinovsky. That is Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, doing well. How you doing? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. People are going to be pissed I said that and not said doing great. I was vibes working, are off now. Vibes are off. I was working this afternoon watching the Red Sox on my laptop. We're recording this Thursday afternoon, so I was watching it in the afternoon. And sick watching Shohei Otani. Sick watching Shohei Otani. For the Red Sox, though, not great. That team stinks. That team is brutal. They couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat. Uh, so Got they em. are just... They, Hot, hot start, but uh, we have real things to talk about, and that's the Bruins, right? Things are not great in the land of the Bruins. Um, really not great. And the big question everyone's asking around here, are they done? Are the Bruins done? So, Connor, are they done? Evan, I don't think so. It's not good. Let's, let's, well, I'm going to preface it by saying it ain't great. You know, it's like it's like when uh, you're asking if someone can like salvage the car and like it's it's pretty banged up, like it's going to take a lot of work. Is it like just a heap of uh, like metal? No, but uh, (laughs) yeah, but you you look at where the Bruins are and um, not just the fact that they've been outplayed in pretty much every area of the ice, but you're also looking at the personnel and who you have out there. It's it's easy to, I think, draw. I mean, not comparisons, but the Bruins have been in this position before. Granted, it's been a long, it's been a long time in 2011, right, where they've dropped two games in a row. But um, again, you can either buy into the fact that it's, it's hockey and you don't know what exactly you're going to get out of a series till you drop a game on home ice. But it's it's also tough when you kind of draw those comparables, though, because you look at the Bruins then, you at least have like a full complement of players. You don't know what, well, you do know what you're going to have in game three, and it's not going to be Hampus Lindholm, which we're going to talk right. about in a little bit. But between that, uh, the fact that you're going to another goalie in Jeremy Swimman, which we'll also talk about, but um, you don't know what exactly you're getting from him. Again, has Omar been the problem? No. Could Swimman be good? Yeah. But also not Tuka Rask or Tim Thomas, right? Like you don't really, you're going into this with a, a looming, I think, question mark in terms of what the, the baseline production you're going to get from your, your goaltending. And then beyond just those factors, you just look at the way the Bruins have played. It, it's almost like a damn if you, damn if you don't in terms of what you're expecting out of this group, because, you know, some people are like, oh, maybe they have to be more aggressive. Well, it's like, well, then you're playing into what Carolina does best, right? Which is <laughs> take advantage of every opportunity and bury them. But then you're also looking at the way the Bruins play where, you know, if, especially in their own zone where they kind of, uh, give up the blue line and kind of, you know, pack things in. That's all well and good. That's how you limit grade A chances. But I don't know. The last few games, uh, Jacob Slavin and Tony D'Angelo and those guys are ripping shots from up the top there. And what do you know? They're deflecting and they're getting past goalies. So it's it's kind of – this is what the issue is with the Carolina Hurricanes, right, is that they're a pain in the ass to, like, get a good game plan against because even the kind of the best laid plans can kind of go to the wayside against a team like this. And that's what you're seeing, at least through the first two games. Yeah, so I, 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 I don't think they're done, but they're close. They're and that's the thing. This, so this is the issue, right? Like, I think if you're – and when we said this on the post-game show uh, Wednesday night, we've said it to each other off air. I think if they just played, like, poorly – as poorly as they did in game two, right, 
we'd say they're not in a great spot, but you, you're going home. You've got a full roster. You look healthy. You, you're in, not in a bad, you're not in a good spot, but you're not in a terrible spot. You lose Hampus Lindholm. That changes everything. To me, that is the defining reason why I look at this team and I say, I don't really have a, a lot of hope. And we'll get to the optimism and the hope and what we think is going to happen the rest of the series later. But you look at the Hampus Lindholm injury, I look at that and I say, that's, that's a huge loss. And he's not coming back. You can tell. Yeah. Yeah, the, way he, the way he had to be carried off the ice, like that's not an injury you like come back in game five from. You know, it just isn't. And, and, and that's nothing he can, that's not his fault. Like it's just, it's an injury. And, and we'll get into the ramifications of now the injury history with Hampus Lindholm. Like we'll get into that over the summer when we really have nothing to talk about. Um, but to me, I look at that, I look at that injury and I say, that's why I look at the series and I'm not saying they're done, but they're pretty close and they're coming home too. Like these were two road games, right? Like that's the wild part. They were two road games in Carolina you could ideally think, hey, they come home, they win both games in uh, in Boston. Like you met, you know, Ty Anderson mentioned twenty eleven, right? Like I again, I was in like sixth grade, so I wasn't exactly like having like sixth super ana- wow. super analysis about all these things. I know I'm gonna make people feel so old, and I love it. Um, but you know, back then everyone was thinking, oh my god, the Bruins are done after two games against the Canucks. Of all, they were the freaking Presidents Trophy winners. Granted, different team, different time, all that. There's still the chance they the Bruins could go back and win two games, but now you're without your second best defenseman. Like that's a big, that's a freaking huge loss. Yeah. And it's one of those things too, where you could, again, if you want to draw a comparable of like Nathan Horton, what have you in that, like that seems like a completely different scenario where uh, in terms of, I just think that's short-sighted in terms of like, Oh, it's going to be the same thing. They're going to rally around this. Like, of course they're, they're not pleased that their top, their top pairing defenseman got walloped by Sveshnikov, of course, and you hope he's doing well. But it, you just look at what the personnel is and how you replaced them. Like at least the Bruins in uh, 2011, you put up I think well, it was Peverly, and that line still kept on rolling. And you had you know a guy like Sagan, and you could slot back into the lineup. Here it's like, all right, who you who's the next guy up? It's it's obviously going to be Mike Riley, but you kind of look at where. Riley's game was for most of the season, especially against a team like Carolina that likes to pressure the puck carriers and make them force, uh, you know, uh, errors in or, or miscues in their own zone. Mike Riley's not exactly the guy you want to be slotting as the solution. Again, there could be worse guys out there, but it doesn't give you a lot of comments, just especially with the way he's been playing. I mean, during that last stretch, the Bruins do not want Mike Riley to be a seventh defenseman. Like, trust me, that's why they, they signed him to a three-year deal. They didn't think it was going to be uh, kind of what it's been over the last couple of months, especially. So I think, yeah, when you just look at the depth of the Bruins defense, that's where the biggest concern is. It's just not the fact that Lindholm, just his presence in terms of being a top four guy that can log 22 minutes a night. It's, you know, his ability to maybe impact the game offensively. Didn't see it, but um, at least through the first you know, four, four and a half periods of play, but he's a guy that likes to fire in shots from the point that could have been of value, his transition game, all those things. He's just an essential part of what the Bruins need to do to be Carolina. And again, it's not over, but it's one where you just look at kind of the pieces they have to work with now. And it's makes a tough road, even, even tougher. Like there's potholes all over the place now for this team now trying to get through uh, an O2 hole against a, a good team like Carolina. Yeah, and again, one of those pot—not really a pothole, but someone who was solid but not 
incredible in those first two games was Lena Solmark. You know, again, I, I don't think anyone would say he was the problem in either of those games, but he wasn't, you know, you know, as Bruce Cassidy said after game two, you know, you needed a save and he turns to Jeremy Swayman in game three. Is that the right move? I think so. I think at this point, again, I, I agree. I don't think anyone really at this point, at least if you've been watching the games, which it's always funny when you get to the playoffs and, you know, people who don't watch a fucking lick of hockey all of a sudden throw the takes out and those are what the narratives end up being. But I digress. Uh, but it's I funny. think I know who you're talking about. <laughs> but uh, it's one of those things where um, I don't think you're really seeing a lot of the the discourse, the narrative being about Olmark. Uh, it's very easy to put all the blame on the goaltending, which – I think we've all seen that before, but I think anyone who's watched these games realizes that again. Yeah. Would you have liked a save or two there? Like people look at like the Trocheck goal uh, in game one, not great, but at that point you're pretty much in garbage time. Like I wouldn't put a lot of these momentum shifting uh, goals against him, like the Aho deflection, all of these things. What are you going to do in those situations? But that being said, you look at just the momentum of what a seven game series is and how you can try to, manufacture or, or get a spark of momentum going your way. Having a, a guy like Swayman and that can't hurt at this point. You're down over two. You're going back home. Swayman's a guy who granted has not really been playing all that well over the last month, but who knows, man, like you put this guy in here and it could he go on another heater. Like that's at this point, what do you really have to lose this one? If he doesn't do well, then you're Oh three and you're really up the Creek. If he does well, then what do you know? You have a spark and you can uh, kind of go from there. It's two one and you build off. Off of it, so um, at this point, I think you it, it can't hurt, right? That's kind of I think what my sentiment is on it. Do I get a pat on the back for kind of guessing this correctly? Remember, I said at the beginning, there I you said, go. Hey, write it down. Mark's going to get the first it. two games. Whoop! I got to Hey, I I I bathe in my losses, take but I yes, but I got to bathe in my wins too. I can't I can't pick one over the other. Um, yes, I, I, again, that's kind of just how they trended all year. And I don't know why you would change that. Now, granted, again, Olmark was not outstanding in the first two games, but he also wasn't terrible. So as you said, what do you have to lose? You have nothing to lose at this point, which is we're going to get into the lineup changes in a second here. There's a lot of things in the lineup where it's like, you're not, there's no, you know, you're not losing anything. You're already down 2-0. This team, this team you're playing looks light years better than you. They have, they've owned you for, I would say like, of the first 120 minutes of the series, the first 110, I'll yeah. give the Bruins the last 10 minutes in this uh, in game two because they they actually looked like they did at the end of the regular season. So I'll at least give them that. Um, but again, safe bet that there's going to be some big lineup changes coming. But when we're talking really safe bets, we're talking about our good friends over at Bet Online. Right, you are Evan. Listen up, guys. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the playoffs, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Don't forget this weekend as the run to the roses is on at the Kentucky Derby. Bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's CLNS50. Bet online with a game. Stats. Stats. That's where it starts. ASMR. That's where it starts. God, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing that. I, I only recently found out as I've gone through TikTok what that is, and it is horrifying. I don't like that. Weird. Oh, like it's it. on Twitch. I think they have it on Twitch, too. You can, instead of watching just, like, video games, you can watch people just, like, 
hit like with like a fly swatter on their microphone, like, you know, and like this, someone's sitting on the other end, just like, we're making, (laughs) (laughs) we're making fun of this, but we're going to get into like August and we're going to have to be fucking doing that in order to have to to get Bergeron's going to retire, you know, it's just going to go, everything's going to go to hell. And it's like, what else are you reading off like finished super league rosters through a microphone? Yes. That's pretty much what we're going to have to uh, resort to. <laughs> I don't want the offseason to, to be right around the corner, Evan. I don't, I, like don't I don't, I don't like this either, but it's here. Um, lineup changes. Uh, they're gonna clip that. Lineup changes. Uh <laughs> lineup changes. So there's gonna be some big ones. I think to me, and this is one that is unpopular. I think it's people are gonna uh we have to stop, we have to we have to get back into serious mode here. You know, we're talking about really serious subjects. Uh, to me, and everyone's going to get on me about this, I think there's a need for Josh Brown in this series. Again, you have nothing to lose. You're down 2-0. Like, again, a lot of people are going to say, what, are you just going to give games away now? No. Here's why, and I'm going to sound like I'm 107 years old giving this take, but it's true. Did they have anyone who, who could respond to Andrei Svechnikov uh, on, in game two? No, not a person. Frederick would try to go out and make some hits, hit fall. You know, just not much. He's not a huge guy. He's more of a pest. And again, maybe Anton Bleed provides that. I mean, that could be a more reasonable solution. But I look at a guy like Josh Brown. Now, granted, do I like the matchup of Josh Brown in the defensive zone against anyone in Carolina's top nine? No, I don't. But I think there's a level of physicality that the Bruins kind of need. And, and try it. Again, you have nothing to lose. And, and maybe maybe we're overlooking it too much. Maybe they can really come back in this. But something to turn the tide. Something, I mean, again, to me, the Svechnikov hit on Lindholm was one thing because, again, at the end of the day, it was a clean hit. Like, you can make that hit. It's fine. Right. But what, what irked me a little more was the knee-on-knee with McAvoy. Because that was that was a little different, right? You can you can play that off and say it was accidental. Maybe it was. As I said on, post game, on the post-game show, like, no idea. Like, I'm, I'm not out there. You, you easily could have not seen him. But you almost like tear the ACL of the Bruins' number one defenseman. I don't know. I just think that at the end of the day, you need someone who's out there who can impose something. And again, I think if you were to put Brown in, you'd take Clifton out, which again, Clifton's been fine. I don't think Clifton's been an issue. So you're kind of taking Clifton out at a bad time. Uh, What other lineup moves would you make? Yeah, I I think it'd probably be obviously beyond Riley, which is going to happen. I think you're probably looking at adding a little bit more heft or at least more physicality, right? Uh, up front, which I think is probably what they might do. Cause I can see the merit for a guy like Brown. I think if they like lose game three and like they get knocked on again, then Brown's definitely going in. Cause Brown's going point, in. <laughs> it's going to be they're bringing yeah, McQuaid out a, of the player development be system. A, they're putting him on the ice. It's going to be a, a mother's day massacre for that man. A, a matinee mother's day massacre. I got that headline all set for that. Yep. Uh, but it's one of those things where, uh, if it gets to that point, I could see him going in, but also I feel like it, the most Bruins thing ever would be to them to you know, not overreact, but to be like, we gotta, we gotta have a guy like Brown in there and he's out there and gets like toasted by, Oh, like, you know, line. it's coming. Like, that, that's yeah. the only issue. So like, and if you put like Forbert with Brown too. Whew. Yeah. It's not great. Like that's not exactly what you're looking for. So I, I could see them instead of, you know, maybe adding more heft to the blue line with him. Then you add a guy like bleed, maybe Wagner, um, I, just someone that adds a little bit more physicality that can mix things up. I think bleed you have to put in because whether it's just him just being 
more physical or just being a pain in the ass. That guy's going to do something to piss off uh, someone in Carolina's top seed. Yeah, everyone. <laughs> Uh, so I, I think maybe that's the route they take in terms of we have to add, you know, a bit more thump somewhere. So might as well do it in an area that we probably need to tweak anyway in terms of probably that bottom six. So, so I don't know if I don't know if Frederick's going to be back in the lineup after that game he had uh, on Wednesday where he pretty much got benched. So, uh, yeah, if we get to game four and it's you know, a three oh hole, then I think Brown's going in. But I think you're at least looking at maybe another tweak or two in that in that bottom six in terms of just getting some with a little bit more physicality in there against Carolina. Oh yeah. And again, I mean, I wonder if even like McLaughlin would have a place somewhere. I mean, again, he just, you know, a hard worker, you know, can get in hard on the four check physicality, stuff like that. I wonder if he has a, a spot. I don't know. I mean, again, like it's tough to take Felino out of the lineup. feels like that's going to have to happen, even though he hasn't been terrible. He hasn't been like way worse than he has been all year. But I think still you'd rather have bleed in there than Felino. Um, and again, if you want to move Curtis Lazar out, it, again, there just needs to be some shakeups. That's the other thing. It just has to be a little bit shakeups. Also, Tomas Nosek couldn't buy a goal yes. uh, right now. We mentioned people, though, who need to step up. And we, we're talking about, you know, fourth line guys. We've talked about, you know, uh, you know, some guys on D. But who to you really needs to step up who is definitely going to be in the lineup uh, on, on Friday night? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of names you can pick from. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, few. <laughs> uh, that's for sure. Uh, but I probably look at one guy as uh, Charlie Coyle, who I think we talked about as being a, a, a guy that you looked at the way he played 2019. You look at the way he played down the stretch in, in March and early April with that third line. It looked like it was primed to be a, like a matchup nightmare for any team, right? Like when Mac, when he's playing at that level and he's possessing the puck and they're getting easier matchups further down the lineup, they could pot two, three goals regularly in a game. It's kind of like what you're seeing from uh, the stall line. And granted, the stall line's a fantastic defensive line, and they're shutting down Bergeron. But on the other, other end of the ice, they're also capitalizing on chances. Like, they're burying five-on-five five goals as well. If you even got that pot of what Coyle and that line can bring, it would be a huge difference maker because you're going to need more guys to step up because even if, let's say, you win one or, or two in Boston, you're going to have to come back to Carolina, and you know what? Robert Moore is sticking the stall line on Bergeron the entire time once again. So whether it's that or the fact that even, you know, Carolina has so much depth that they could add, you know, the Ajo line to Hollis line and score a goal against them. They have two, you know, capable D pairs where obviously Slavin's their best player, but, uh, you know, Pesci and uh, Brady Shea, pretty good second pair. And they, I think they stick those on whichever one that Slavin doesn't have. So they've got, multiple ways to match up and frustrate you in your top six. So you desperately need that coil line and a guy like Craig Smith to start generating more chances because you have to land punches somehow. And the only way to really do it right now, at least is getting those easier matchups further down the depth chart, because right now they're locking you down in that top six. Oh, you need it. You need it. And I, again, you're you're hundred percent right about coil to me though. The one player I think uh, who has absolutely has to step up. is David Pasternak. I think he has looked, not himself at all yeah. in these first two games. And you worry that that injury is popping back up again and that that's affecting him. And you, and you always see, you know, whenever he starts to go into a lull, he starts to shoot in the puck from everywhere, or, you know, he's just not trying to create plays being that driver of play that we've come to know so well. And I just look at that and I say, that needs to change. It needs to change. Now, they tried moving him up to that top line in the second half of, uh, of game two. I mean, it generated some offense at the end. I wouldn't say it did a ton, 
I still think you go back to your normal lines for the start of game three, at least if you want to move it around then, then sure. Um, but he's got to be better. And I think again, like that, that missed uh, when he tried to dodge the hit on their first goal, that was terrible. Like there's just little things that there's just no effort. And even on that goal, he just kind of stood in the middle of the zone. He didn't pick up. Um, it was Aho who, who ended up tipping it. Correct. Yes. The second goal. Yeah. Or the, uh, yeah. And he just missed him. So, um, again, I just little things like that, that just drive you nuts. Those are, that's what wins and loses you playoff series. And I think for a guy like him, you need him, you need him bad. And also on the, I mean, again, the power play kind of goes without saying. So I think he's the one who you, you just, you need, you need right now. And you need him to be kind of that elite player. Cause again, one knock on the hurricanes. We talked about this a little bit before the series is they don't really have a superstar. The Bruins do have some superstars. They got to play like superstars though. And you're seeing that in those first two games. So it all boils down to this. It all boils down to this, this one big word called optimism. Is there optimism? And do you think, like we said, are they, uh, we're, we're both saying they're not done. You seem to have a little more optimism than me. But do you actually think they will bounce back? I mean, I think you have to keep that level of confidence going with the team in terms of just getting back on home. I, I think the biggest thing is just the fact that they can finally dictate the matchups, which again, mm. you're pushing that issue further down in terms of getting to maybe game five of, is it going to be, you know, two, two, are they going to be up three, one, you know, or, I mean, they may not even get back to, to Carolina, right. For game five, but that's an issue you push further down the docket in terms of what you want to deal with. Cause at the very least now the Bruins can dictate play a little bit more. We'll be curious to see if uh, Cassidy rolls with, Martian, Bergeron, Pasternak again, which again makes you very top heavy. But if they're that good, that I think they're on the ice for two goals, four, I think for the Bruins in that game, or I think that limited amount of time they had. So at the very least, you know what you're going to get with that line. That line has yes. torched Carolina in the past, even when they've put Stahl and those guys on them with Slavin. Um, so maybe you lean heavily on that. Uh, the, the lift you get from being back on home ice. And again, I think it also comes down to Swayman. If, He's not shop and they score three goals in the first period. Oh, that'll do it. And I think that's <laughs> going to be the most important thing is just starting strong and getting that first goal, which they had not led once this year against Carolina, which, which is wild. It kind of reminds me of a little bit going into it about um, uh, Carolina's game three down in Raleigh in the 2019 uh, Eastern Conference final, where that first period, it was they got nothing from Tuka Rask. They got nothing past Tuka Rask, rather. Yes. They had, I think, 20 shots on goal. Came out flying. It was probably the best period of hockey they'd played in, like, probably since, like, their uh, first series against, what was it, Washington? Like, they were yeah. dynamite. That was, like, a, the true, like, storm surge they had out there. And got nothing by them, and it broke them. And afterwards, eventually, yes. the Bruins, little by little, just wore them down. And after after that game, Robert Demore was like, yeah, we're, we're, we're screwed. Like we can't, we can't beat that. So I think that's going to, if the Bruins come out strong, get shots on net against, I imagine it's Kochetkov. Maybe it could be Freddie Anderson, which we haven't even talked about. Like that could be even worse. Is yeah, it makes it way worse. Back. But if they, you know, we get to 15 minutes into the first at zero, zero, the Bruins are out shooting them 15 to five. And then like Aho deflects a shot past Swayman then okay like yeah like, i think that yeah it's not really gonna be groundbreaking analysis but the first 20 minutes are going to potentially decide how long this brewing season goes on for because you need to start strong against this team on home ice completely agree it all comes down to that hot start to me though i look at this i think there is some reason for optimism 
I don't think they come back though. I think in the end, I think they lose this series. I know people are not going to love it. That was my initial prediction. I'm sticking with it. I just don't, I don't see, I, I don't, I don't see you winning four games against a team you've struggled with against so bad this year without one of your top two defensemen. I just don't, I don't see it. I could be totally wrong. I, it'd be really cool to be proven wrong yes. in this situation for the sake of content, at least. Um, but I just, I, 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 there's not a lot of reason for up. There's not a lot of reasons to fully believe that they're going to bounce back. I think they'll win a game at home. I don't think that they're going to get swept. I mean, the, the Bruins haven't been swept like in forever. It has been a lot. I don't, I don't quite some time. I don't remember the last time they got fully swept. They didn't even get swept in 2017 against the senators. Um, I mean, I'm just kind of racking through my head. They have not gotten swept in like, I think my lifetime maybe. So I don't know. I, I Like, I don't see them getting swept, but I do see them probably losing the series. So yeah, not terrific. Not great. Tough way to end, uh, at least on this episode, but uh, bringing it back up, making it a little bit better. What can people look forward to from you over at BSJ? Well, Evan, we'll continue to have our daily coverage throughout this playoff run, however long it lasts. So, so we'll have uh Game reports, previews, video breakdowns, uh, columns, features, all that good stuff every day on the site. So please subscribe at bostonsportschannel.com. You want to follow me on Twitter? You can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. And we joke about, uh, you know, there being nothing to talk about during the offseason. There will be quite a lot. There'll be quite a lot. There's a lot lot going on. There's a lot of reasons to keep obviously following listening, reading, watching, all those things. As everyone knows who's followed us for uh, a while, and thank you to them, uh, they know that we don't ever stop. It continues. There are lots of things to talk about in the offseason, um, and there will be this year. Especially, cons- well, I'm not going to say why, because that's going to be even worse, so I'm not going to say why, but there's a lot to talk about. Anyways, before- <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll quit while I'm ahead. Anyways, that is Connor Ryan, Evan Marinovsky, you Poke the Bear listeners. Have a great rest of your day. <laughs> <laughs>